Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. It's all night long. But I told you that the mission of this show was that I would not waste your time. And considering we have 30 minutes, we got a lot to get to, folks. Our telephone number, if something does strike your fancy, we'll try and get you in at 615-737-1045. But the big story tonight, really, there's not a like big story in sports that you just have to talk about. We could talk about Kawhi to the Raptors, but I'm not going to talk about Kawhi to the Raptors. I'm going to talk about what I wrote about this morning, which some of you have responded to me on Twitter, at jmartzone with uh, your responses to a couple of times already today. So the big story, as I see it tonight, comes from a take I wrote at the Big Six blog. Again, 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. Go ahead and add it to your bookmarks. It'll be updated frequently. And it's funny because I often go back and think about why I initially started writing about pop culture in particular and what, what it was that attracted me to those stories of serial drama, or movie franchises, or whatever it might be, and why I cared so much. Interestingly enough, the thoughts usually go back to my days working in pro wrestling. I'm not going to talk a lot of wrestling on this show. We've got Squared Circle Radio every Sunday morning for that, and I am so blessed and lucky to share an an hour every week there for over four years with my two best friends in the world, Brandon Hagney and David Reed. But whenever I want to discuss storytelling on a base level... Pro wrestling seems to be the perfect explanation every time. So, why am I talking about this? NBA Commissioner Adam Silver speaks earlier this week and concludes that despite the outcry that the Golden State Warriors' acquisition of DeMarcus Cousins created a competitive imbalance in the league, he and his office don't see it as a problem that really needs to be addressed. Sure, there could be a few tweaks to some rules that would alter the methods and make it tougher to acquire all of the players that they've gotten, but in general, there's no real issue in his eyes. And I, from two years ago, maybe even one year ago, would disagree with him, but as I stopped to truly think about it and not just be knee-jerk reaction sports guy, I realized he was right. Parody is a myth. Not that it doesn't exist per se, but it's a myth Because fans constantly claim that they want it. They think desperately that they want it. But just like I haven't at many times in my life, they really haven't thought it through. Because if they had, they would realize they don't want it. Ultimately, the dominance of the Warriors hasn't harmed NBA ratings in the least. In fact, it's gone the opposite direction. Playoff numbers up across the board in the key demo for ESPN, for ABC, for TNT, and for NBA TV. Wherever NBA playoff games were happening, people seemed to be watching in bigger numbers than they had in years previous. It wasn't just LeBron-Cavs games. It wasn't just Warriors games either. Celtics-Bucks did well. That's just one example. It was across the board. But why would that be if you argue that we all knew the Warriors were going to win the Larry O'Brien trophy before the season ever began? Why on earth would we watch something that's predetermined and where one team was so stacked, nobody was going to be able to topple them? Now, let's just throw out the fact that the Rockets almost got them in the Western Conference Finals. 
Let's throw out the fact that LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love took him down three years ago. And let's look to storytelling because in effect, and this is my argument, and I'm not sure you've ever thought about it this way, what is sports if it's not the world's greatest true reality show and an annual novel? I want you to think for me as you're sitting in traffic, hopefully not, I don't know how bad the traffic is right now, but I'm going to make it easier on you. I want you to stop and think right now of your favorite team. Whatever sport it is, college or pro, doesn't matter, but pick the team that has meant the most to you as a sports fan. If I were to sit down with you right now, one-on-one, and ask you about the greatest and most memorable year in that team's history, it would be my joy and my pleasure to do it. And let me tell you why. Let's say you pick Tennessee. And I don't even ask you to tell me about the natty year or the thrills of Peyton Manning under center. But instead, I tell you, lay out for me the story of the 2017 Tennessee Volunteers. This would be riveting stuff, folks. It was a roller coaster. We all saw it from the gray trash can to the yelling, to the losses, to the yelling, to the cries to fire Butch Jones, to the yelling, to the individual plays that you remember to the yelling, and then we get to, actually, I'm not sure if I should mention this. Is it too soon to talk about John Curry or Beverly Davenport and the Vols coaching search? But the point, the larger point here is that sports does create a story where we get a new volume every year. It's not Game of Thrones where we're sitting or fans are sitting and hoping George R.R. Martin actually finishes the next book before we get to the next decade or before he tragically passes away, we are guaranteed in sports a new story with familiarity from the Vols or whoever it is, and the book is going to launch, in that case, in less than a month. The new one's going to be out. You're going to be standing in line to get the new edition. We've got a new king on the throne in Jeremy Pruitt, and the peasants out here are curious, and the peasants in the story are curious as to what's actually going to happen under this new regime. Now let me bring in pro wrestling and explain to you why it has survived as long as it has and why today, despite the money Vince McMahon is pulling in, the audience numbers are on the decline, mainly because the secret's out and they now are not trying to hide anything and make it appear real. It comes down to classic good versus evil. Whoever it is that's the hero of the moment, becomes the hope for the true, it's still real to me, Dagnabbit fan that's out there. Not the one that's in the know. The one that actually can separate themselves and suspend their disbelief. That's the one that wrestling promoters crave. And the one people like me back in the day when I used to book and work in creative in pro wrestling, that's who we scripted our best stories for. But the dirty little secret behind pro wrestling is that in order to make the most money, you have to keep the championship on the villain as often as possible because it's the chase that draws the wallets out. It's the chase that buys the tickets. It's the chase that sells the T-shirts. It's using that championship on the evil, dastardly, cheating, low-down dirtbag to elevate and create star heroes. Or, if you just want to go back to storytelling, protagonists. The way to get this right 
is to make that hero look and feel unbeatable, put a lot of wins under his belt, then put him up against that champion we already know will and has been the rules, and then after giving that good guy plenty of shine and also letting him face a lot of adversity during the story of the match, we put him in a situation where seven or eight times out of ten he should win, but some circumstance or some piece of skullduggery leads to a loss or it's a disqualification or something where the title stays on the bad guy. And then those fans will open those wallets wider to see that guy lose even more the next time because he's even more illegitimate and our favorite guy got screwed. Once in a while, you put that good guy over, you give him the championship, and then within a few months, if your business is working properly, you get that thing back off him as soon as possible and put it on either the same cheater again or you create a new villain and start the process all over again. There is no Lord of the Rings without the quest to Mount Doom. There's no Harry Potter without seven books of futility before the final showdown. There are small victories before the large victory. It's a story. And sports folks, again, maybe you've never thought of it this way, sports is a story. Is there a Luke Skywalker without a Darth Vader? Is there any interest in Clarice without Hannibal Lecter? What is the draw to any good guy without a real evil to face. It's true throughout history in fiction. It's why we care. The lack of parody, view it going forward as the equivalent of evil in a story or in a wrestling match, whatever it might be, in order for the triumph to matter, it must be rare. That is why the Warriors' dominance has been good for the NBA. It's why the Patriots have been great for the NFL. It's why Alabama has been awesome for college football. It's why we need the Goliaths in our entertainment because you can't get a David without a Goliath. There is no obstacle to be overcome. Thus, we don't care. Now, this is going to sound complicated, but I promise you it's not. We say and we feel in our hearts that we want the New England Patriots to lose every week, unless you're a Pats fan, obviously. But what we really want is to retain the feeling that we want the New England Patriots to lose. If they actually lost as often as we wanted, or anywhere close to it, as a matter of fact, we would have nothing to root against. When the Yankees were the Yankees, we wanted to see them beaten constantly, but every time they would win another World Series, it would give us our goal again to shoot for the next year. Whether we know it or not, we need that giant atop the sports beanstalk, which is how I wrote it in the blog, so the climb is actually worth it in the end. I root against Golden State relentlessly, vehemently, but I also tune into their games more than anyone else in the NBA, precisely for that very reason. I always think back to private parts in 1997. This is the Howard Stern effect, and Paul Giamatti's pig vomit character expresses it better than I ever could. The famous line, when you find out that the people that don't like Howard Stern are actually listening to him more than the ones that do. And Pig Vomit says, but if they hate him, why do they listen? And the reply from the numbers guru in front of him is, most common answer, I want to see what he'll say next. I want to see what Golden State does next so that I can feed my vitriol towards their success and maybe occasionally somebody gets them and knocks them down a peg for a day. 
we seek the climb wanting to see someone get to the top of this beanstalk. But what we really want is for them to get close to the top and then fall just short. So we almost get the victory. We get the drama before we get shortchanged. Then we're going to come back for more. So rather than lamenting the Warriors or any other big bad that just wins too much, whoever it is, whether it's Duke or North Carolina in college basketball, whatever it is for you, realize for just a moment how lucky you are that a dynasty has happened in your lifetime as often as it has. Because with those dynasties have come the benchmarks and have come the upsets that we still talk about around water coolers and sports bars every single day of our lives. It's why we love sports. If every team was 8-8 eight and eight in the NFL, that would be horrific. We all talk about how great the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is in college hoops, but once we get to the Elite Eight, what do we really want? We don't want the Cinderella's. Not many of us, at least. Real sports fans, we want the Blue Bloods. We want the Kentuckys. We want the Dukes. We want the Michigan States. We want the Floridas. We want the UCLA's. We want the Arizona's. We want the teams that we know. We want those, those names. We want the glitz. We want the A-list actor, not the independent performer, even if the independent performer might be more compelling. When the Final Four is made up of random teams, you all of a sudden quickly realize as a sports fan that the concept of being careful which, for what you wish for is more than just a little bit true. Think of Jack Nicholson, Colonel Jessup, few good men, Aaron Sorkin script, dead clear. Think about it in terms of sports, though, this time. We need guys like Nick Saban on that wall. We need disingenuous, annoying enemies like Bill Belichick on that wall. And we really need the Jordan-era Bulls and the Steph and KD-era Warriors. Because whether we want to admit it or not, that is what makes sports the best story in entertainment. Day after day, week after week, year after year. So to Adam Silver, I agree. There is no competitive balance problem. As a matter of fact, the Warriors might be the best thing happening in the entire NBA. Of course, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. What's yours? 615-737-1045. Got a few other things to do tonight. College football lines. We're going to get back into parity and talk about the college football lines. If NBA has no parity, what does college football have? Once I tell you how all the conferences stack up right now, you will see that parity sometimes is a myth when you apply it to one sport and don't realize it happens so much more widespread. That's some media takes and a crazy John Isner snat. Stick around. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Short show tonight. One of my favorite songs ever right here. Plush. The great Stone Temple Pilots off their first record. Thought it'd be a great way to end this week. We do have a couple of calls coming in. We'll see what we get to that I have written down here in this next five, six minutes. We're going to send you to racing Xfinity series from Kentucky. And if we need to, we will carry this over to Monday. Also had a caller call in with a great topic that I'm flat out going to steal and use next week. So appreciate you there. Follow me on Twitter. By the way, I'm Jason Martin. Follow me at jmartzone. A few people engaging with me there as to what I just said about parody. Let's go to Bart in the borough first today. Bart, how are you? 
I don't know if you're asking for my said Mark, but that's oh, okay. Sorry. I know it sounds like Bart. I guess there's a song. Uh, first of all, I'll say love the new show. Uh, definitely look forward to this hour. Um, so yeah, I think you brought a lot of great things to this hour, and yeah, look forward to it. Um, it, you know, it made me think about, you know, being a, a comic book fan as a kid and then as an adult, you know, all these superhero movies, they kind of almost became cliche. Like, you know, uh, the good guys always win. Then all of a sudden, you know, the latest Avengers movie this year, the bad guy won and everybody's freaking out like, Hey, wait a minute. This isn't supposed it, it all of a sudden made you hate him that much more. Yes. Um, like if, you know, as a Tennessee and a Tennessee fan, I, every time we lose to Alabama, or Florida. Oh, it just makes us hate them that much. And it more. makes every win against them that much sweeter. It makes Absolutely. it makes that party so much better because it's rare. If it happened every year, it wouldn't mean anything. Right. Exactly. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And the other thing about the superhero reference that Mark just made, and, and thanks for the kind words as well, we are doing it best we can here at the Big Six, here at 6 p.m. every weekday here on 104.5 The Zone and the Big Six blog at 104.5thezone.com. The other superhero analogy is just like the NBA, if you think it's predetermined, you generally, 99% of the time, know exactly how a superhero film's going to start, how it's going to be in the middle, and how it's going to end. And a lot of my reviews through the years of those particular films hinge on how dominant and how nefarious and how solid and how believable the villain is. So again, if you see parody, or if you see the absence of parody, rather, in dominance and dynasties as the enemy, if you see it as evil... I think maybe you can see it from a completely different standpoint. I think maybe Jeff has called back to give us our uh, topic, so we'll do that. Jeff on a cell phone. Jeff, what's up? Hey, I was just, uh, uh, earlier in the week, you had the top six um, cities, yes. sports cities. I want to I wanna hear your bottom six sports cities. All right, Jeff. Jeff just went ahead and booked the show for Monday. Bottom six, the big six, the worst sports cities in America. We'll do that on Monday. I think that will be a fun way to start the week. We've had a couple of tweets coming in at Jmart Zone. You can continue to do that. A lot of nice things being said. We appreciate that. So we got a couple of more minutes here. Paul Feinbaum signed his extension with ESPN and SEC. This should not be a surprise to anyone. I didn't buy this to begin with because I don't know what Paul Feinbaum is without the state of Alabama, much less the Southeastern Conference. Phyllis ain't calling up the streets like a moonshine addle banshee about this weekend's big Illinois versus Rutgers tilt. Some stories come out that just don't make any sense. Most of us, I don't know a single person that took it seriously. Well, I don't know Dan Wolken, but Dan Wolken took it seriously. He claimed it was the biggest story leading into SEC media days. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. Not even close. Second spoiler alert, Dan Wolken. Well, yeah, I try to be nice to people. Dan Wolken's kind of an idiot. And that's something Vol Nation knows all too well. So he's staying at the only place where the Feinbaum Act makes any sense. It's not a pro or con discussion. It just it shouldn't have even been given any air to breathe because it wasn't going to happen. Even if he wasn't happy with his current situation, leaving the SEC would have made him nearly irrelevant unless he was just going to be the angry old man fighting for the SEC against Big Ten on Fox. And I don't think that was going to happen. Staying in college football quickly, the Westgate Las Vegas Sportsbook odds came out. Again, you talk about how the NBA doesn't have parity. How much parity really exists in college football, folks? There is the Boise State or Central Florida rise sometimes you don't expect. But there's always the same giants in each conference, at least on a perennial basis, that find themselves in the preseason top 10, end up in a better bowl game than in some cases they deserve. Here are the lines that came out from Vegas. SEC, Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn in that order. 
Pac-12, Washington, USC, Stanford, in that order. Big Ten, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State in the fifth slot. Big 12 is Oklahoma, Texas, TCU, and Oklahoma State. And the ACC, what do you think? You guessed it. Clemson, Miami, Florida State, and Virginia Tech. That's parody, isn't it, folks? That is not parody. And that's a good thing because it gives gives you those teams that you already expect. Those are wins that if you get them, there is no party like that in the world. On the way out, things that make you go, hmm, John Isner. Incidentally, folks, when I played tennis in high school in North Carolina, his older brother was in the same conference with me. Number one seed at Grimsley, Jordan. He was awesome. We had no idea if John existed at that point. We do now. 99 games today over six hours and 36 minutes. Loses to Kevin Anderson. That's second in Grand Slam history. You know who's first? Here's your stat of the day, your things that make you go, hmm. Who's the longest? Oh, that would be John Isner. He played Nicholas Mahout back in 2010. That match, which we won't forget, even though I'm sure some of you have, ran 11 hours and five minutes at Lackett Breakers at Wimbledon. Whew. I'll get back to you as to whether or not that's a good thing or not. We got Xfinity Series from Kentucky coming up next. We'll see you Monday on the Big Six. My name is Jason Martin on the tweets at Jmart Zone. Big Six blog, Sharp Objects, Episode 2 review coming up this weekend. We're back in 71 hours. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. Saying good night.